Welcome to all our World of Blazers out there. This is your first episode after a long time off of Q&A with Father Jay. I know you guys are kind of wondering, like, what's going on with the World of Blaze platform? We keep kind of pivoting here and there. But as you've seen, we've been consistent. Most, especially in this year, as we're kind of revamping our social media platform, our podcast platforms, and combining really all of the podcast uh, productions that we've produced under one umbrella. And one of those is near and dear to my heart is with Father Jay Mello of the Diocese of Fall River, Massachusetts. Welcome back, Father Jay. How are you? Good, buddy. It's been a long time. It has been. We Our last episode dropped, Father, you may not know this, in July of 2020. So, it, Middle of COVID. In the middle of COVID crazy. Um, it was... I think it was on the virtue of prudence or something of that nature, but um, you know, some crazy times. Uh, it, it's crazy how fast time does fly. Um, now I'm in a different state. My entire family's in a different state. Uh, we're, 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 I guess, a little bit closer to you, only by one state. Um, but you, you're, you're still in the state of grace, though, right? That's exactly. I'm in the most important <laughs> state, Father, which is the state of grace. Uh, yeah, because there's there's no uh, there's no United State. Uh, that would actually, you know, be a better place to be than in the state of grace. So in the state of Arizona, <laughs> father's in the snow, I'm in the desert, and uh, we're glad to be back uh, with you also. Father, I hope things have been going well for you. So great. Such a pleasure. Uh, missed to hang with my holy priest like you. Um, and we're going to be talking today about Eucharistic revival. Now, I know we have kind of this focus as a church, as I mentioned, on essentially bringing people back to the source and summit of our faith. And I know that you yourself, as a, a pastor of your own flock in your own diocese, issued a pastoral letter, um, kind of with the reflection on JP2's DS Domini, on the, on the focus on keeping the Lord's Day holy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in preparation for this episode, you're just reading through that. And I really want to just kind of break that open for folks because you hit on some key things, of course, reflecting on, on uh, Pope St. John Paul the Great's words, but even in your own words, kind of hitting on something that I think as a church, as, a, as the people of God have, have lost, is the, the, the sacredness and the holiness of the Lord's day, and specifically in the way that we approach the sacraments, but even the mass. And I think you did a great job. Two things that I know you called out uh, that that's necessary. One was ongoing catechesis and the way that we witness and celebrate the liturgy, how we celebrate mass, which was just, I mean, obviously speaks to, to my heart, but I just kind of wanted to, to kind of lean into that and talk about the impetus behind, you know, that pastoral letter that you sent out and just your thoughts on this as we enter into this Eucharistic revival, if you will, what does that really mean? What does that really mean to those that are out there that may be listening and watching and how, how they can engage and participate? So let's just maybe start with the premise of your approach, your thought, your prayer into that pastoral letter. Sure. So I, I think my approach to this is, is trying to understand not the entire Eucharist revival of the entire church, but my parish, right? Um, and I've been here now, it'll be eight years next month. Wow. Um, and unlike you, I'm, I'm, I'm staying put. I'm just here and grounded. Uh, and, and I love it. Um, I love being a pastor um, for this long. I've never had an assignment 
has been this long. I've always been an assistant here two years, there for two years. But being someplace longer and really developing that sense of spiritual fatherhood, mm -hmm. um, of being able to get a better grasp of what my people need. Uh, and so this is actually the second pastoral letter that I've written. I wrote one on Eucharistic adoration when we opened up our adoration chapel uh, a couple of years ago. And this one here, now on, again, taking from John Paul's theme, Dies Domine, the, the Lord's Day, of trying to use it as, as a part of restoring uh, the sense of the sacred, as, as you said. But, but what does that actually mean for us? So, I mean, obviously, I'm not going to issue an 80-page or 80-paragraph-long, thick volume that people can be like, oh, I'm going to sit here and flip through this here. That's going to be great. People would never read past two or three pages of what I have to say, if that. Um, but I wanted to keep it short and, and to the point of what is it that the Lord is asking of us, mm -hmm. right? And, and for me, to even take a step back, and we're having this Eucharist revival because people don't believe, right? You've got a number of Catholics who don't go to Mass on Sunday, a number of people who identify as Catholics who don't believe that the Eucharist is truly the body and blood of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. um, and so how do we take a step back and say, how did we get to that point, right? And I, I think we can go sessions, hours on evaluating how we got to this point. I, I think a lot of it is the aftermath of the council. You know, we, we had a huge shift in how the mass was celebrated. Um, and I know that we don't want to get into new mass, old mass sort of stuff. But regardless of whether or not it's the Novus Ordo or the Latin mass, I think what we should focus on always is how do we as priests, uh, as lay people, celebrate the Mass with reverence, mm. right? Um, and it's not just me saying the Mass and people sitting there as passive bystanders, right? I mean, there, there are moments where I want to say, come on, everyone, we're praying this together, right? Yeah. Because we all have, you know, the, the Council was great in calling for active participation, mm -hmm. right? But what, what does that mean? It means that we're all actively engaged in praying together. I'm leading the prayer, but we're all praying it. Um, but to do so with a real sense that what we're doing at the altar is, is it's something sacred. It's something holy. It's unlike everything else that we do. And I think part of the problem is we've made the Mass too casual. We've made Sundays too casual, mm -hmm. where there's a sense of like Sunday's a day for family. Sunday is a day for, for rest. Sunday is a day for faith. Um, and if when Sunday in society just becomes another day, when people are going to the office or going to the stores, all this stuff, and, and this is something I've had to hold myself in check for because I, I get it. We've taken advantage of the fact that, oh, I, I can go to the store tomorrow. I can, I can go to Mass, stop the grocery store, get what I need. Mm -hmm. But the stores only open because I'm going to them. If we right. all make a conscious effort to not go to the store, they'll close because they're not going to pay their employees to stay open if no one's going. Mm -hmm. But we know it's a convenience, and so we take advantage of it. Um, and so I will, I'll implicate myself in, in the guilt for that one um, because we don't plan ahead. Right? Mm -hmm. If we all thought, like what we did for Christmas, right? We know every place is closed on Christmas, so we do stuff, shopping, whatever, the errands we need to run before Christmas Day. Um, because I think the Eucharistic revival is a challenge to everyone, priests especially, in how we are presenting the faith. And it had been a great opportunity for me to try to bring the Eucharist into everything, right? Um, so we did a Eucharistic Advent 
Uh, and part of that was uh, praying together as a parish, and I invited people to pray it at home uh, every day. And it was kind of a, not really a novena, because novena is nine days. And so we did this for all, we call it an Advent novena, but it was, you know, four weeks. Um, to pray a litany to the Most Blessed Sacrament before every Mass. Mm. Um, and, and in that, praying for those who don't believe, praying for those who have committed offenses against the Blessed Sacrament. Um, but the beautiful litany in which we're talking about the sacred hopes, which we're talking by name, our Lord as spiritual food, as bread of angels, and all of those wonderful titles that we have for him, as a way of using Advent to build up to a Eucharistic Christmas, mm -hmm. right? And, um, and it's been great for me to reflect upon how do we make the Eucharist the center of all of this? Mm -hmm. And I was reading, and I, I used it as part of my own homily, and I thought it was so natural, right? That the mystery of Christmas is the same mystery of the Eucharist. Yeah. Right, God, I mean, we, we know that Advent is preparing us for the three comings of Christ. First Christmas, the end of time, and at each Mass. But there's a beautiful line, and I, I forget where I read it, um, which I, I often do. Uh, it's easy for me to just take credit for it. So I read somewhere and not give anybody the true author credit. Um, that the Eucharist is the continuation of the mystery of Christmas. Mm. And, and so this year, and I, I normally don't like doing this, um, but I did this year. I set up the manger in front of the altar. Um, right, it should be in a place of prominence. We want people to, to have it there. It's a great thing. But I set up in front of the altar and made the, the connection that Jesus lying in the manger in front of us, it's, it's a wooden or, or porcelain or whatever. It's a statue. Right? And it recalls that great mystery. But behind the manger, on the altar, is the mystery itself. Mm -hmm. and, and to try to create a deeper sense of what's happening. And it was so beautiful Christmas, because we're really seeing the fruits of it here. Four o'clock mass, Christmas, 750 people, church is packed. At the consecration, there was silence. And it was such a power. Like I had a number of people comment to me, like, the church is full. Kids there, visitors there. But it's the fruit of a long time of helping people to understand that this is the most sacred moment of the Mass. And the Eucharist is the most sacred part of our life. Um, and so it's been, it's been beautiful, but it, it takes a lot of work. And it is that catechesis of breaking down not very easy mysteries to help people to grow in their daily appreciation and their devotion to it. Yeah, I mean, what a beautiful, a couple of things there, Father. Um, and I have to give a shout out to my wife, Nicole, because she's been on the Keep the Lord's Day Sabbath, refraining from, you know, definitely shopping and things of that nature when we don't have to for a long time. You know, and I used to resist because I was a, a spiritual sloth and a knucklehead. Um, and so we told, I, I implicate myself as well in that. I mean, a lot of what you're saying, even in your pastoral letter, I think I um, it resonated with me because I that I once was that that person mm -hmm. Um, that was convicted in your words, but going to you know what you did as far as that that Eucharistic focus and Advent, I think what we fail to remember as Catholics is that we get to experience the Word made flesh at every Mass, mm -hmm. and I think that's a beautiful way to frame it up for folks to be able to see. I'm just imagining your altar, right, and, and seeing that the you, you have you know the the manger there. Um, and to actually see the connection, you know, we're simple creatures at times mm -hmm. when we need that simplicity of saying, when, when I see you at the elevation, 
And if I'm able to make that connection of our Lord coming, the word made flesh as a baby and see the connection to coming in, in that species of the bread at that moment of when you speak those words mm-hmm. and you elevate. I mean, what a profound way to catechize without having to say one word. Sure. Right? Just being able to just connect that to the heart, to the brain and to what you visually see. But, you know, I wanted to, you know, now that we're kind of getting into this, why is this? You know, we can say intellectually, Father, that it's a source of some of our faith. This is the central mystery of our faith. But for the average, even the average Catholic out there, which we know 60% of those that go to Mass don't even believe that's a true presence, right? Why is this such an important, um, I guess, theological point? Maybe not even theological. Why is this such an important point that we need to get back to as faithful Catholics um, in today's modern age? Well, I mean, if we call it the source and the summit, right? I mean, we we gain our strength uh, from our relationship with the Lord in receiving communion, right? We we go there as the source mm-hmm. of, of faith itself, but it directs us towards the summit. It directs us towards heaven, and that's why it's so important. Because if we are not being fed from the source, we are really going to struggle in our path to the summit, mm-hmm. right? The, the Eucharist is given to us. So that we can have that strength to get to heaven. And we know, you and I, we, we are, we're believers. Like, you and I are all in on this. Mm-hmm. We, we love the Lord. We love the church. And yet, we know, I'll speak for myself. I'm, I'm sure I can speak for you. It's hard. Mm-hmm. It's hard to stay focused. It's hard to stay I mean, there's so many things in the world trying to distract us. But if we, and, and I celebrate Mass every single day. Right. Sometimes more than more than once a day. Um, but it's, it's from the Eucharist that we draw our strength. Mm-hmm. Right. Because without the Eucharist, and I don't understand how people do it, without faith, how do people survive yeah. all of the, the darkness that's in this world? I mean, I could tell you from experience, Nicole and I often, you know, in our, our nightly exam, we'll talk about, like, I don't know, but we do know. My, my, Nicole and I know. We know exactly. We don't do Right. He said, when you say, how do you do it? You're not doing anything. You're, you're, yeah. you're in constant anxiety, you're in constant stress, you're in constant turmoil, you're constant in conflict. Mm-hmm. Even for those that may think that they don't have a concern in the world. I mean, you're living a life without God. And so I, I think that point of that source, um, you know, the daily vitamins, the nutrients that we need from food. This is yep. the spiritual nourishment that is required for us. And you're absolutely right, Father. I don't know. You know, we're daily communicants, daily mass goers, as often as we can. There's some times where it doesn't always work out. And it's not because we're holier than anybody else. It's because, one, mm-hmm. we love our Lord. And, mm-hmm. man, the, the, the strength that we get, the grace that we get through, the, you know, the, the, the sacrifice of the mass, through, obviously, the, 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 the blessed sacrament it's of our Lord himself, sustains us. Just to be able to do all the things we need to do as disciples, as spouses, as parents, as grandparents, as employees, as people in the public square nowadays, um, mm-hmm. we need all the help that we can get. So I think it's such a, a key point to where, yeah. what do you feel? It is that, that circular thing, right? Where the more we fall in love with the Lord, the more we want to be there, oh, yeah. right? Where you, you start like, I miss daily mass today and you know your day is off. Oh, you know, yeah. I've got a, a friend of mine uh, who's, who's a lawyer who's got some flexibility with the schedule, tries to come to Mass every day. Mm-hmm. And last week he had some stuff going on where he missed Mass Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. He's like, 
told whoever it was, like, I can't have a meeting on Thursday. Like, this is, it's ruining my day. Like, my day is off by that. And I think it's a, a beautiful thing for people who want to start their day with the Eucharist, start that time in, in quiet reflection in, in the Mass. But certainly, and not everyone can do that. People's work schedules, yeah. we get that. But Sunday Mass, right, the Lord's asking us for one hour, right? Um, and, and certainly to do that as a family. Maybe we think of the crisis in families today. Um, families of husbands and wives coming to Mass without each other. And what does that say to, to your children, right? What is, that, what is that doing if you're not praying together, yeah. right? I think of, of the one thing that you should, you wouldn't take a vacation apart, I don't think. I mean, some may, yeah. right? You're not going to go on date night apart, yeah. right? Uh, but why would we not go to Mass together? You think mm-hmm. of just, and, I, and there are some beautiful parishioners. Sometimes I look out and I see them, you know, at whatever point in the Mass, they're standing there and they're holding hands. I think what, what a beautiful image of, of love that's strengthened by their faith, mm-hmm. you know? And I'm thinking too of, um, when we get back to the whole sense of, of the mystery of all of this, I was uh, reading last night in preparation for this, and then obviously the, the sad news of Pope Benedict's declining health. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the document he wrote, the encyclical letter, um, Sacra- Sacramentum Caritatis, you know, and where he, he talked about at the Mass when the priest proclaims after the consecration, the mystery of faith, right? That this is the Eucharist, the mystery of faith par excellence. And, and what is that, that mystery? What is our faith? That, that God wants a relationship with us. Mm-hmm. So much so that he sent his son into the world. A son who promised that he would always be with us. And in the Eucharist, he is always with us. That we have access to the Father through receiving our Lord Jesus Christ in Holy Communion. Um, and trying to help people. And I preach about it a lot. You know, um, that and confession, right? It's just like the yeah. two basic things. And I recently had someone in confession, um, and I, we had an Advent penance service, and he said, you know, it had been 40 years. And so when people say 40 years, like my first thing is I always say, welcome back. Praise God, right? That you're, but I always ask him, what is it that brought you here? He said, well, Father, you've been talking about it forever. And so <laughs> I'm just going to kindly come. And I thought to myself, you know, but that's part of it, right, is the repetition, yeah. Right. Um, somewhere along the line, people thought things like the Baltimore Catechism of answer of question, answer and memorization was a bad thing. But that repetition, that memorization of things gets ingrained into us. I mean, we yeah. learn multiplication tables. Right. So I can kind of go through it. I can still remember the exercises in second and third grade of, of how we, we learn that through memorization. So now you don't think it's second nature. Um, I think we've gotten away from some of the basics of of our faith. Um, where you know, you know, you talk about it's a it's a good point, Father, because I think sometimes it's on the tenth time of that that you invite somebody that that the 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 grace is activated, right? I mean, you even mentioned this in your pastoral letter about you know we we have to continuously invite others, right? Mm-hmm. You as a pastor are inviting those who maybe have been away from the church or maybe have been inconsistent with their faith practice. <laughs> To just come to the table, come mm-hmm. to the table, you know, come to the banquet, and I think sure. that's such a, a key point because it, it is very easy to to get discouraged and perhaps get frustrated and just lose your patience with inviting those whom you love and care 
about in your life, whether it's family or friends, back to mass, you know, back to mm-hmm. even just prayer. You know, how, how yeah. can I pray for you today? And how can you can, and you never know what the, the Holy Spirit is doing in their lives at that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Well, no, you, the, go ahead. No, go ahead. I'll let you finish, Father, because I wanted to, I, I have a, another ask of you, as, since this is Q&A, Father, Father Jay, I want to make uh-huh. sure I, I get the question out uh, appropriately, yeah. but go ahead. I, I think one of my worries or concerns about the Eucharist revival is that it could become gimmicky. Right, like in the past, or or even just sort of like a, a theme that all right, we, we did this now we move past it. Like you know, we had a year of Saint Paul, we had a year of the priesthood. You know, like this three year time of the Eucharist mm-hmm. is meant to be a revival, but not sort of a, a one and done yeah. type thing. That I think it requires that continual conversation. You know, so I do like a weekly flock note to my parishioners, and I always include an article that I find or a video, and I'm, I'm constantly searching um, for things to to bring to people. Because there's only so much you can do in a homily, right? Mm-hmm. There's only so much you can do at the hour that you have them for in church. And we can offer adult faith formation sessions, but that catechetical piece to it is something that can't end, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was talking to some priest, I'm like, well, you know, what are you guys doing for Eucharist revival? And sometimes I think to myself, I'm not doing enough. You know, or we've had novenas, we have the Adoration Chapel and pastoral letters or articles and videos. And then sometimes I'm like, well, you know, we'll wait till it gets to the parish stage or the, the diocesan stage, like all these stages. I'm like, why are we waiting? Yeah. Like, why? I, I, don't, I don't get it. <laughs> like, yeah. just just do it, right? Um, go ahead. You had a question. It's, it's kind of like New Year's resolutions, right? Like, why are you waiting for a day to make resolution in your life when you can make the changes now? Um, you know, it's the same thing. It's like we, it should be a Eucharistic revival every single day that we exist. And I think it's great that we have a focus and an emphasis on it. But if this really is Christ, and I think this is, think about the non-believers, those that don't believe in the true presence. If this really was the body, blood, soul, and divinity, as if we would need to have a revival, as if we need to have a, you know, a banner out there that says, hey, this is the year of whatever. It's just like, dude, the king of the universe is inside of there, you know? why wouldn't we be kicking the door down to get into it? So, exactly. you know, some, some work there. I was going to ask you about one of the things that, uh, you know, referring back to your pastoral letter again, that um, resonates with me. And I think is so, was so important is to understand what the liturgy is and what mass yeah. is about because mm-hmm. of that temptation to see it as a way that I didn't get anything out of mass or, you know, um, I was bored at mass or, you know, to just have a, a the wrong perception of what mass is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, you and I, I think view in that sense are aligned. We're aligned on a lot of different things. Um, but in that specific case, it was very much, I was like, yes, this father is absolutely preaching the truth here to say, we as the faithful need to understand what mass is really about. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes we make it too much about what we get out of it, about our feelings, about, you know, our emotions, rather than understanding really what right worship is. And so can you speak to that, Father, for those out there that may need a refresher, perhaps? Sure, because I think there are times where, and I've heard it often, you've heard it often, we've all maybe experienced ourselves. You go to Mass, and like, you know, just, it didn't really fire you up. But then you can say it back, I am not going to get something. I am going to give something. Mm. And, and that, that, like, we have to get back to that point. Well, why am, I, why am I going if I don't get anything out of it? Mm-hmm. And if, if, if that's our point, then right, don't go. Because you, you may not 
but, but I'll get back to that point in a second. But we're not going to, to get some. We're going to give some. We're going to give worship. We are going to say thank you. Mm-hmm. Right? The Eucharist is our way of saying thank you to God for everything. And whatever it may be, how little we may have, the Lord has given us the gift of life, our family, our faith, our health. And even if those things aren't perfect, the Lord has still chosen to have a relationship with us. Mm-hmm. He has still called us to, to be saints, right? My other, que- my other comment to people uh, or question to them, when they say, I don't get anything out of it. I say, well, what did you put into it? <laughs> right? You know, because sometimes we put the bare minimum into something and we expect the world. Mm-hmm. You know, I had a salad today for lunch, but the scale hasn't changed. <laughs> like, wait, like, okay, well, the salad today is not going to undo the pizza and the Chinese food and all this other stuff I've been eating all week, right? Um, but it's really, like, what, what effort have we put into it? Have we arrived at Mass early to properly recollect ourselves? Are we praying every day? Are, you know, have we looked over the scripture readings ahead of time? Have we gone to confession beforehand? The, the question is, what are we doing? What are we putting into it, into our our one hour of week, right? We go back to the, um, you know, the health sort of stuff. And I don't know why I use these because I'm such in awful shape and I never exercise. But I've got friends who do, right? And they tell me. So, like, there are people who go to the gym and they'll have, you know, a shake or an energy drink or something before they go and they do something after they go. Can you think if people put that type of energy yeah. into going to Mass? To say, all right, I'm going yeah. to Mass, so I remember I'm going to fast for one hour before I go. Have I gone to confession? Have I... Am I getting there early to look over the readings, prepare myself? Or, or am I going? Am I, am I on my phone? Am I distracted by who's around me? Like, what, what are you doing? It's, it's not all me, right? The Eucharist revival is not all me. It's not all the Pope. It's not all the bishop. We have to look at ourselves and say, what am I doing to, to grow in my faith? Like, we have to put some effort in. And, and sadly, that's part of it, that a lot of Catholics are giving just a small or no amount of effort into their faith. Well, no kidding, you're not going to get anything out of it. Yeah. Yeah, right? and it seems, it seems to be very transactional, and I know you, you kind of alluded to it. And, you know, I think it's great for, for the people of God to understand and recognize, right? Like there's only a certain amount of praying with each other in the sense of as you engage us, right, the Lord be with you, you know, with your spirit, yeah. right? And, yeah. Um, I mean, there's minor parts in the mass that involve the dialogue, and then the rest of mm-hmm. that should is obviously, you know, oriented towards God, who we are there to right worship and give right worship. Yep. And so, I think that's a big part of it when we think at mm-hmm. Orientum, right? And where people are like, yep. you know, so of you know, so offended that you know um, the priest turns his back to us, and and it's just like, okay, you you obviously thought you showed up to a theater when you know it's not aimed at you. You're turning towards God whom our prayer and sacrifices are being offered to um, mm-hmm. at the most. And so then when you need to engage us, you do. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the beauty about when you get to, even if you just did at Orientum in the, in the Novus Ordo, um, mm-hmm. it can be done very reverently and beautiful. And it shows people different, as you stated earlier, than what every other day or every other event in your life looks like. Right. And imagine if, we actually put forth the effort that we would in our physical health, or I think you even made a, uh, a comment in your in your letter about you know would you ever show up to the doctor later or ever leave a, a movie early, those types of things that help you know you ask yourself some very honest questions, and yeah. you would say well no, I wouldn't because it's important to me, so then I would 
question our listeners to say, well, how important is God to you? How important mm-hmm. is therefore mass to you? And so if you're showing up just enough time to, to get communion, but you never even had the first part of the mass with regards to the liturgy of the word, or mm-hmm. if you're such in a rush to leave before the mass is even ended, then I would question whether or not you actually have the, your day prioritized the way it is, because it is, as you stated, Father, Sundays are about rest and worship. It's not about mm-hmm. getting some more things done or the football game or the basketball game. Like we have enough options in our Sunday mass masses to to figure out a way to make the rest yeah. happen, if you will. If, if you were saying, well, John, I'm resting by watching, you know, football, um, but put God. And that is, that, that, those are, are things and I'll, and I'll kind of end with this on, on the, the pastoral letter and the. There is a lot that is expected of, of the layperson. Like you have to put some effort in, right? You have to do all those things I mentioned. But the church also has to do some stuff as well, right? Because people didn't stop believing out of nowhere, right? So irreverent liturgies, where they're rushed through, they're not prepared, that there is no, I mean, when you see, I had someone say to me once, and I thought it was a beautiful compliment, um, I was out on Cape Cod, sort of a vacation town. There was a visitor from New York, and she said, you know, Father, you celebrate Mass like you really believe it. I was like, well, no kidding. Like, well, <laughs> I, I, But what made me think is, how, what made her say that? Yeah. What made her say that is, is probably seeing priests, sadly, that did not convince her that they believed that. Yeah. And I'm no John Vianney. Right? I, I'm far stretched from that. You know, but... But I believe with all my heart and soul that that is truly the body and blood of Jesus Christ. And I am humbled and honored and oftentimes embarrassed by my own weakness and and sins to be able to stand there at that altar. But I mean, to be able to take a moment to to genuflect with reverence, to say those words with, with profound humility and love and devotion, the church and her priests and her bishops need to do a better job of celebrating the mass with that sense of solemnity, with that sense of of reverence, that sense of love, that communicate in our every action, because people are watching, and they're watching us. If they see us walk by the tabernacle and give a genuflection that is embarrassing to to do before the blessed sacrament, what are, what are they going to believe, mm-hmm. right? If they see us put no type of, of effort into this, if this is just one other thing that we have during the week, yeah, I say all the time, this is. I celebrate seven masses every weekend, three on Saturday, four on Sunday, oh. not counting weddings or funerals. And I'm exhausted by it, right? I mean, I, I put my heart into each celebration of the mass. But by the 7 p.m. mass on Sunday night, where I just, I want to come back, put my feet up, read, watch the Patriots. Well, I don't really want to watch the Patriots game anymore. That's a, <laughs> we lost Tom Brady, so it's not fun watching anymore. But some for some people, that's their one hour, Yeah. right? And they deserve every ounce of energy and reverence that I put into any other Mass that week, mm-hmm. right? And it, it's incumbent upon us as the church's pastors to better catechize, right? To better evangelize of what the Mass is. So, and I kind of want to close with that, of it's both and. It's not just the work of the church's pastors. It's the responsibility of lay people. We all need to work together in all of this uh, to share what really is the most beautiful part of our faith, that God allows us to receive him into our very bodies and souls. 
And we bring the very best to that, right? We It upholds the dignity and integrity that the liturgy calls yeah. for. And I think what a testimony from that, that, you know, that visitor that commented on that father, because again, if you just, if you celebrated it with the, the, the solemnness and the reverence that it requires and demands, mm-hmm. it catechizes by its very, by that very nature of what it is. Right. So they're going, yeah. and then people will walk out and there's times, I mean, people walked out, we had a very beautiful, um, uh, midnight mass where it was Novus Ordo, but, primarily in Latin, ad orientum. We had orchestra, symphony, candle lit only. Um, the vestments were beautiful, right? And people were like, time stopped for two and a half hours, right? They really <laughs> felt like the king of the universe came into this world and it was something that they had never experienced. And I'm like, why not every mass that mm-hmm. way, right? Why not? Um, and, and again, so I would agree with you wholeheartedly, Father, that it does take the entire church obviously clergy and lay folk alike in order to make this happen. And so father, before we give closing words, or I give closing words, do you mind giving us your priestly blessing for all those that are listening and will be watching this um, at some point in the future. Sure. Through the intercession of our blessed mother, St. Joseph and St. Michael, the archangel, may the Lord bless each of you who are watching or listening in the name of the father and the son and of the Holy spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, Father Jay, it's always a pleasure and an honor to hang with you uh, and, and talk to you about the faith and to help, educate, catechize, evangelize the hearts of the faithful that are out there listening. For those of you who are, spread the word, like, subscribe, follow, comment. Let us know. If you have questions for Father Jay, he's here to answer them. He's a a faithful priest, a good dear friend I'm proud to call, a dear friend of mine and somebody that is trying to lead you and I to heaven. So you know how we do it around here. We get holy or die trying. God's peace. See you on the next episode.